the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of the Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Kingdom Addict. Kingdom Addict. It's great to have you join us tonight for fellowship in the Word of God. I'm sure that the worship and the prayer time have been inspiring for you. And I'm glad to come your way. We don't take your time with us on this platform for granted at all. Thank you for being part of this ministry. And tonight, I want you to know that God is going to bless your life. So open up your heart, open up your spirit, and be expectant. Be receptive so you can be blessed by the word of God. Shall we please bow down our heads as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for the privilege to assemble before you. The Bible said they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeared before you. We've come before you and we ask the Lord, you empower us with grace, strength to be able to go from strength to strength. Let no one tune into this broadcast at this time or watch it thereafter ever remain the same. I give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, God richly bless you. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Be ye therefore followers of God. So, as you can see, that has been the series we've been, we, we, we've been on for some time now. I think I've just done the first two. Be ye therefore followers of God. The broad series is followers of God. And in our earlier part, which was part 1A and part 1B, we looked at, are you a fan or you are a follower? That's an interesting question. Are you a fan or a follower? And we need to be very honest with ourselves. We need to evaluate ourselves. It's a question that is, it's a rhetorical question that you need to deeply reflect on and answer it. Are you a fan? In your relationship with God, are you a fan or you are a follower? And we see that from... Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Two words stand out. Two groups of people stand out in this scripture and I want you to take a close look at them. On one hand, we have the multitudes. On the other hand, we have the disciples. And the Bible said, Jesus constrained his disciples and sent the multitudes away. Sent them away. He sent them away. To send them away in the Greek has to do with to allow them to go and die or to divorce them or to relieve them and release them. That's what it means. In the Greek, that's what it means. To divorce them, to relieve them. 
it speaks of being relieved of your responsibility, being told that you are not needed, being told that you are no longer your services, uh, you've been re rendered redundant. That's what it means. To allow to die, to be dismissed, to be divorced. I mean, that's the height of it. So Jesus sent the multitudes away. But on the other hand, he constrained the disciples. And next week, we'll be talking about why he constrained the disciples. But we said that the reason why Jesus had no choice, he came and he said that of all that the Father has given me, none, no one that comes to me will I ever cast away. That's what Jesus said. So by the time he's sending some people away, there must be a legitimate reason for it. And we see that legitimately so, these guys were fans. They were not followers. When Jesus came, he wanted followers, not fans. But the multitudes happened to come around and they were fans. And I don't know which, which category you belong. Watching this book at this time, are you a fan or you a follower? You profess faith in Christ, but are you living like one? You go to church, are you living like one? You read the Bible, are you living like somebody who has the word of God in him? Are you a fan or you are a follower? Those were some of the, the, the things. That was the first part. And we touched on seven characteristics of fans. We said that fans like to be called, but they hate to be chosen. Many are called, few are chosen. Fans like to be called. They want to be among the masses, but they are not, they are not ready to stand out. Now, fans like connection without commitment. They like to be connected with Christ. So you see the multitude, everywhere Jesus went, they wanted to follow him. They wanted to be connected with Christ, but they were not ready to be committed to Christ. Take your relationship beyond connection to commitment. Become committed to God in prayer. Committed to God in, in dedication. Committed to God with your finances, everything that you have. Be committed. God is looking for committed diehard. Everybody wants committed people. Even political parties, they call them full soldiers. Diehard supporters. God demands total commitment. Total commitment from us. Commitment of our lives, commitment of our resources, everything we have. That's the kind of commitment God demands from us. And I pray that the grace of God will rest upon you to commit to God likewise. Number three, we said fans like to consume without contributing. Every time when Jesus had gone to the mountain and prayed, when he descended, the first group of people will come and tap into his power. Tap into the power. Tap into his grace. Those were the multitudes. They always wanted to receive. Every time. Wanted to receive. And there are people like that in church. They, won't, they contribute nothing to the church. No, nothing. Their time. They just come to receive. God does not want you to be like that. If you are a part of a church, be committed. Be committed to the church. Be committed to your pastor. Be committed to the doctrine of your pastor. Be committed to the teachings of your pastor. Be committed in every area. Your finances, your strength, every part of your being must be committed. You can be part of a church and be committed elsewhere. Be committed. If you are married, be committed to your wife. If you are married, be committed to your husband. You can be exchanging text messages with somebody else. Be committed. And I pray that the grace to be committed will rest upon you. Fans like to be comforted, but they hate to be corrected. Fans like to be comforted, but they hate to be corrected. If you look at the disciples of Jesus, particularly Peter, he endured sharpest criticism or rebukes from Jesus. And it didn't make him bad. He ended up becoming a star disciple because of the way he was corrected. Are you the type who hates to be corrected? 
Are you the taboo cannot be spoken to? Are you the taboo cannot be rebuked? As a pastor, I've seen it too many times that people are rebuked and later on I have to call them and apologize to them for rebuking them because they lack the character for it. It's sad to see. It's sad to have it. But it happens. There are people that you can't simply correct them. Listen, nobody is too old to be corrected. Nobody is too young to be corrected. Everybody needs to be corrected at one point in time or the other because you don't know it all. And if you are not open to correction, you are not likely to fulfill your destiny. May you fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. Number five. Fans like the conquest but hate the combat. They want the booty of battle but they don't want to go in the heat, into the heat of battle. They like the conquest without the combat. Life, you have to fight for what you want. You have to fight for it. If you are, you are going to be prayerful, you have to fight. You have to fight against your body that loves to sleep, that loves to wake up late. You have to fight it. If you are going to prosper, you have to fight your way by working hard, giving generously, and then being a purpose-driven. You have to. If you are going to build your house, you have to fight. You have to, you have to be a fighter. And I pray that the fighting spirit will come into you. You have to be a fighter. If you are not a fighter, you will die early in life. You have to learn to be a fighter. Fight for what you want. Fight for good things. The Bible says, fight the good fight of it. You know, and the truth is that everybody in life is fighting for something. Just that some people are fighting for wrong things. And I pray you will have the wisdom to know which battles to fight. Fight the good fight of it. Fight for things of eternal value. Fight for things that are economically beneficial. Those are important things. Not fighting with a taxi driver or on the street. Number six, fans desire the crown, but they detest the cross. They desire the crown, they detest the cross. Number seven, we said, fans like to climb the ladder of success, but lack the character required to sustain it. Tonight, we are going to step further. And in this teaching, I'm looking at five C's about following God, you must always remember. Five C's about following God, you must always remember. Five C's. You can type into the comment box, five C's about following God. Five C's you must constantly remember. And when you remember this, it helps you. It always, you will be, you will be able to follow God to the end if you keep this one permanently in your memory. So the first C, which I call C1, represents the call. If you are going to follow God, you have to open up to the call of God. You have to be open. Following God always begins with the call from God. Never forget that. Following God always begins with a call from God. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father that sent me draws them. No man can come to me. Some of you think that you are so righteous so you should be accepted on the basis of your righteousness. No. Nobody can come to him except God draws you. God must draw you by his spirit. God must draw you by his word. No man can come except the father draws me. That is why I prefer the phrase that says, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I prefer that. You have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior because Acceptance means that something was offered to you. And that is how our following of God begins. We begin to follow God when we respond to God's call to salvation. He has called us and saved us with an holy calling. 
So that is where it starts from. The call unto salvation. He said, Jesus said, you have not chosen me, uh, but I have chosen you. We didn't do anything to be chosen. That's what the Bible said. For by grace, we are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Salvation is purely an act of grace. You don't have to, you don't qualify for it. You don't, you, we didn't do anything to deserve it. What a grace God has given us. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy lady, and I'll give you rest. It's a call. And that call is open to all. You are watching this broadcast now. You have not responded to that call. This is a fine opportunity for you. By the time we close the service, you have an opportunity to do so. But you must respond to this call. If you are going to be a follower of God, that's where it starts from. You don't follow God by just being a member of a church. You don't follow God by just uh, working in the church. You follow God by making a decisive decision that Jesus is my Lord. That's where it starts from. So you have to respond to the call. If you look into scripture, everybody who followed God responded to a call. God came to Abraham and said, get thee out of thy father's house. Abraham responded. So one call after the, Jesus met the Paul, uh, Peter and the other colleagues, he said, follow me. And then the Bible said they began to follow him. The second one, the second C is choice. Choice. And in this, we are saying that following God is a choice. If you are going to be a follower of God, you have to choose to follow God. You see, you have been chosen by God, but you must also choose to respond to God. Everybody on the planet has been chosen for salvation. The Bible says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins unto them. So everybody has been, pre- have been predestinated. We, are, we have all been predestinated unto salvation, but we have to make a choice to respond to salvation. He says, by grace, you are saved through faith. So you are saved, but you have to believe it to have it. That's what the Bible says. You are saved, you have to believe it. And you have to make a choice to believe and to respond to it. Choices are things we do daily. Anybody who is living a successful life made choices that made him to succeed. And you have an opportunity. As long as you live, one of the things you have, one of the privileges and the opportunities you have is to make a choice. And you have to be mindful that you are making qualitative choices in your relationships, in your time with God, in, in, the, in your expenditure, your finance, your financial management and all. You have to be making quality choices because the choices we make sooner or later will come biting at us. If you look at the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man made certain foolish choices. And at the end of the day, he ended up where he ended. Lazarus made some choices in fact, the most important choice was to accept Christ. He made some poor choices that kept him poor. So he was a believer, but he was poor. And there are believers who are poor because we, we, are, we are not making choices that are prudent enough to move us out of the poverty zone. May you not be poor in the name of Jesus. Following God is a choice. The Bible says, I've set before thee life and death, blessing and cursing. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Choose life that thou and thy seed may live. The choices you are making, are they choices of life or they are choices of death? Are, they, are you making choices that is bringing death to your family, death to your marriage, death to your relationship? Or you are making choices that are securing your future, the future of your family and the interest of your home? This is a universal choice. Joshua told them, he said, if it seems evil, choose ye this day whom you serve. 
And I pray that you make the right choice to follow God. The other day, a man had an opportunity to make this choice. He went to Jesus and said, what shall I do to be perfect? In other words, what shall I do to be safe? Jesus said, go and sell everything you have. The man said, hey, the things I have, do you have an idea the things I have? If it's about that, I'm not interested. And the Bible said the rich man went away. With all of that, he went away sorrowful. But later on, you will come and see that the things he ran away from, those who followed God, they ended up with it. They ended up with it. You see, when you make good choices, particularly choices that honors God, choices that bring glory and honor to God, there is no way God will watch you perish. There is no way God will not reward you. If you look into scripture, all the people who made choices, a man, uh, Moses made a choice to honor God. God honored him in return. God will honor you in the name of Jesus. Number three is the cost. The cost. The third C has to do with cost. Following God will cost you something. And I need you to understand it. We live in a generation where people want great things, but they want it for free. People want to drive good cars, but they want it for free. People want to live in big mansions, but they want it for free. Life, there is no free lunch in life. Everything valuable has a price. Everything valuable comes with a price. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28 with me. And look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, the New King James Version. He said, for which of you intending, wishing to build a farm, sitting not down, which of you intending to build a tower, sitting not down first and counted the cost? Which of you? Which of you that wants to build a tower will not sit down and count the cost? This was in reference to people wanting to follow Jesus. And Jesus will not lie to them. He told them, listen, if you are coming to follow me, you are going to pay a price. And let me tell you, if you are going to follow God and follow him well, it comes with a price. This is a generation that doesn't like to be told the truth. So we sometimes stretch and overstretch the grace of God. You have to pay a price. There's a price you are called to pay. The grace of God is available to empower you to pay the price. It's not to exempt you from the price. You must understand that. God gives you grace to pay the price you must pay. Not to be exempted from the price. Take note of that. Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they. Yet not I by the grace of God. So he was not exempted from labor. He labored. But the grace of God was upon him. Any price you need to pay to see your dream come to pass, any price you need to pay to see your vision fulfilled, any price you need to pay to become to see yourself transformed, I pray that the grace of God will rest upon you to make to pay that price. Following God comes with a cost. It will cost you something. Sometimes the cost is in relationships. Sometimes the cost is a job. You may get a job at a place and the demands that come with it may be unholy demands. And you must tell yourself, I will not defile myself just like the man Daniel did. This is a generation where almost everything, as once the thing satisfies our flesh and feeds our emotions, we'll settle for it. But you must make a choice. A genuine follower of God, his first choice is always to honor God. And honoring God sometimes comes with great consequences. And I pray that when that time comes, may the grace of God rest upon you to 
make the sacrifice required. Number four, number four, the fourth C has to do with capacity. Following God requires capacity. Now I want us to read Luke chapter 14 verse 28. He says, which of you intend, I think I, I would rather want verse 30, saying, this man began to build, verse 30, and what king going, he gave two instances there, one building a tower, the other, a king going to battle, but I like the king's one. He said, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. That's capacity. That's capacity. Two armies are coming into a, 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 a contest or a battle. One has capacity of 10,000. The other has capacity of 20,000. That's what the Bible is saying. That's capacity. Following God demands capacity. You need a certain capacity. I said no one can become a true follower of God without supernatural enablement from God. It takes capacity to follow God. You need capacity. The Bible said, by strength shall no man prevail. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, Paul said, I thank God who had enabled me, who has made me capable, who has given me capacity. That's what Paul is saying. I thank God who has enabled me in that he has counted me faithful, putting me into the work of the ministry. It's always important. Capacity is required. The, even the 12 disciples of Jesus, they were following God all right, but their capacity needed to increase. You remember when Jesus was about to die, he told them they were all going to desert him. When you read the book of Mark chapter 14 verse 27 to 31, take time and then read it. All of them said, we are not going to disown you. We will go with you to the cross. And Peter, the leader, said, even if it means dying, I will never. Let all these people choose to go. I will not go. That was Peter. But Peter denied him three times. By the time we could say Jack, he had denied him three times. And we don't blame Peter because at that time, Peter had not received capacity. But if you look at the life of these same disciples who betrayed him and denied him, in the book of Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 32, when capacity came, everything changed about them. Capacity came. When they were brought before the sign, you remember what Peter said? He said, uh, we warn you strictly not to speak in the name again. Peter said, hey, you guys, you don't know what you're talking about. Before this time, I lack capacity. But now, you can't tell me that. We will rather obey God than you. That is a man with capacity. When you have capacity, you are able to face the enemy head on. When you lack capacity, you fall into sin anyhow. But when you have capacity, you stand strong. The Bible said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And let me tell you, this capacity we are talking about is not like the one the corporate world talks about. They go for capacity building, and sometimes the capacity building, you see they put some huge figure on it. And when they come back, the results they produce, you wonder whether their capacity was really built. But this capacity is not the kind you can build. This capacity is not self-developed. This capacity is not self-acquired. This capacity must be gifted to you by God. And is gifted to everyone who professes faith, to, faith in Christ. At the time of salvation, when you embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are empowered. In the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I talk about capacity, I'm simply talking about 
endowment of the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you cannot have a successful work with God. You can't follow God. To follow God, you need the energy that the Holy Ghost provides. That's why he told them in Acts chapter 1. He says, I want you to be my followers. I want you to tell everybody in the world about me. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive capacity. Because without capacity, you can't do that. May the Lord grant you grace to always yearn for more. And the capacity is such that you have to be increasing it. Even the corporate world, they increase their capacity again and again. If you go to giant companies that are doing well, they have a devoted, some of them have dedicated account for capacity building. You have to be building your capacity because the challenges of yesterday are different from the challenges of today. And the challenges today will be different from the challenges of tomorrow. So you have to constantly be building your capacity. That's what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. Be filled. Be continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. Stay continuously filled you do so by fellowshipping in the word. You do so by staying in worship. You do so by living a life of consistent fellowship and prayer. Learn to worship. Learn to pray. And then, finally, comfort. Comfort. I know this one, you are very excited about it. Comfort. Comfort. Following God ultimately ends in comfort. That's what I want you to know. The journey sometimes can be difficult, but scripture has made it very clear that following God ultimately ends in comfort. Ends in comfort. Lazarus followed God, Luke chapter 16, verse 25. Luke 16, 25. But Abraham says, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and like, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Following God will always end you in the place of comfort. Ultimately. Ultimately. And this comfort I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about earthly comfort. I'm talking about both earthly comfort and eternal comfort. Most of the time, we emphasize on eternal comfort as if there is no earthly comfort. And other times, there are people who also lay a lot of emphasis on earthly comfort at the expense of eternal comfort. But listen, God did not promise you one. He gave you the two. Don't allow religion to deprive you of one. God, religious mind and religious behavior will let people, people don't want Christians to do well. So we preach all kinds of things, but that is different. You, I'll show you this scripture. You see how this, it is. Jesus, the life of Jesus shows us that following God ultimately ends in comfort. Ultimately. We saw it. When Jesus, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, taught it no robbery to be equal with God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 15. But, but, but verse 2, 5 to 11. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a man and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto that. Even the death on the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. After the cross, after the pain, after the disappointment, he ended up with the crown. You will always end with comfort if you follow God to the end. Jesus followed. Gethsemane was difficult, but he followed. He followed, and when he followed to the end, he ended up with comfort. He actually also, Jesus did not prove by his life that following God will ultimately end in comfort, but he actually taught it. And I want to show you what he taught, because there's a lot of religious teaching that is going on. It has gone on for a long time. You know, the world doesn't want the best for the church. 
If you're a child of God, you need to understand that. That's why when unbelievers are talking and they are saying all kinds of things about ministers, pastors, preachers, and all of those things, and Christians, you don't have to join them. Unbelievers never like the church. They will never like the church. They don't want the best for the church. Satan and his agents can never desire the best for you. But God wants the best for you. And God's best for you has been clearly articulated in his word. So don't settle for what religious people are saying. Settle for what the word of God says. I am a stickler. I'm a word stickler. I stick with the word. That's all. If it's in the word, I'm in it. If it's not in the word, I have no place for it. Look at what the Bible says as I close. Verse Matthew chapter 19, verse 27 to 30. Then Peter answered, take note of the word then. And I would want to encourage you to go back to the earlier uh, references and study it. When you study it, if I give you the contextual meaning, you'll be able to appreciate it. But time is not on my side. Then Peter said to him, see, we have left all and followed you. What shall we have? Look at that. What shall we have? So Jesus said to him, surely I say to you that in the, in the generation, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you, shall, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 tribes, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? And everyone, now listen, now that one he said that you sit on the throne, that has to do with the, the 12 tribes of Israel, that has to do with the apostles directly. Most theologians believe that it's directly in reference to the 12 apostles. But this is where you and I, we come in. He says, and everyone, verse 29, and everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters, father or mother or children, for my name's sake shall receive, take note, shall receive what? A hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Hundredfold. This hundredfold, this, this particular reference, you can find it in Luke, Luke 18, you can find it in Mark, Mark chapter 10, is there. And when you read it, you see, a list, you shall receive hundredfold in this life and in the life after eternal life. So in this life, hundredfold is for you. In this life, you will not lose your hundredfold. Your hundredfold house will come to you. Your hundredfold car will come to you. You will not be using taxis forever. You will also drive your own car. You will not live in people's houses forever. You will also build your house. In the name of Jesus, as you genuinely commit your life to God, and as you genuinely follow him, may the best of God be yours. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you. And I trust that you will continue to follow him to the very end. Maybe you are tuned to the broadcast. You are not born again. You want to say, Pastor, I want to be born again. I told you earlier, it begins with responding, receiving and responding to the call of God. That's the first C. If you have not started with the first, you can't continue. So you want to respond to the first C. And you do so by admitting that Jesus must become your Lord. Pray this simple prayer of faith with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege to hear your word. I admit I'm a sinner and I call upon you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. If you pray that prayer in faith, I want you to know without a shadow of doubt you've been saved. You are now part of the kingdom. Go ahead, send us a mail, send us a WhatsApp. Let's stay in touch with you and help you as you walk and grow in your faith with God. God richly bless you. Pastor Afraqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity.
To get a copy of this message and other messages, as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 0540-122-670 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website, www.faithhousechapel.com, for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services. 7 a.m. first service, 8.30 a.m. second service, and 10 a.m. our third service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service at 6 p.m. at our church auditorium on the top floor of Nanama Ejikuma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santa's Runabout, Kumasi. God richly bless you.